Hey, Fedhead, Cigar Surgeon here. Thanks for tuning in to another episode of Cigar Chat. Unfortunately, this episode of Cigar Chat, we had some audio issues. The audio issues do persist throughout. However, they improve significantly at about the eight-minute mark. So if you bear with us and listen to the eight-minute mark, there is some crackling audio, but some good stuff. Or you can certainly fast-forward to the about the eight-minute mark. Thanks so much for supporting Cigar Federation and Cigar Chat. It's a little less smoky than it's been. I went really? to Washington last night and I drove across the bridge. So the fire is in the gorge, which is like this river that separates. Uh, it's it's a little uh, less smoky than it's been. I went to really? Washington last night and uh, I drove and across I drove the bridge. Washington, so, so the fire is in the gorge, which is like this river that separates. Uh, it's, it's a little uh, less smoky. Yeah, that might be you. Carry on. All right. So uh, driving across the bridge last night, I looked over and I could see down the gorge. And it was like, you see Portland and it's all hazy over the lights. And then this way, it's just black because it's just smoke. There's nothing but smoke that, that way. Uh, it's it's kind of surreal. It's really weird, like walking around and it's kind of snowing ash very lightly. And... Nice. Yeah, it was the air quality index up here. Uh, is it... It, it reminds me, the feeling reminds me of either when a campfire blows in your face or you mm. walk into a cigar lounge with terrible ventilation where yeah, people yeah, have yeah. been smoking constantly for 12 hours. It's it's bad times. Yeah. Little trading company. James, what's going on, brother? Oh, not much, man. How's it going? Glad to be here. Yeah. Oh, we've been busy. That's, yeah. That's an understatement. Yeah. Yeah. You know, it's good. I mean, it was very different. Um, obviously, with the location, had some impact. Um you know, but I think it was good and it was bad. I mean, we we did well at the show. You know, we saw a lot of our, our retailers. We landed a lot of new retailers. But I think overall, the number of retailers in attendance was obviously significantly down, yeah. um, which was yeah. kind of a shame. Uh, you know, but outside of that, I mean, it was it was a good show for us, for sure. Yeah, I mean, I think that was definitely evident that, you know, the people that did choose to come to the show were there to do business. You know, you didn't have a lot of the kind of trick-or-treating and tire kickers that you've had in years in the past. So, I mean, yeah, it was kind of strange because literally a lot of the people that came to our booth just walked up and were like, you know, give me an order sheet. I'm ready to order. You know, no chit-chat, no smoking, no, it was just, so it was very straightforward, which, you know, was nice. I mean... We weren't really, you know, uh, having to sell very much, which was great. That's all right. I think we're finding a little bit of both. I mean, I think that, um, you know, the, the good thing for us is, I mean, we, we are, you know, nicely established in the market, but we still have a long way to grow. You know, we still have certain areas of the U.S. that we just started to have representation in in the last year and a half. And so we're definitely still growing. So. Even the, you know, the core line products for Black Label that we've had out for five years now are still new to some people. So we still get a lot of demand for those. And then, you know, the people that have been carrying our products for a long time are, you know, definitely excited about what's new and what's coming out and what we're doing with Blackworks and all those things. So it's good for us. I mean, we get, you know, a good mix of of both. (laughs) Yeah, I mean, you know, we... We started out, obviously, for us, jumping into a factory in and of itself was a, a, you know, a big move in 
I wouldn't say that we were necessarily ready for that, but it was, you know, we're, we truly believe that you, you just got to take the risk sometimes. And, and that's what we did. And, you know, it worked out great. And we were kind of the little factory that could, you know, we just put all our eggs in one basket and went for it. And things started to grow and take off. And, you know, we got more clients and doing cigars for other people. And so over the last two years, the factory has really grown and we've started to definitely outgrow the space that we have. So, um, you know, we were kind of at this teetering point of, you know, do we try to expand the property that we have or, you know, do we move on and try to find somewhere else? And so we decided that, you know, with the amount of space that we needed to, to get to the, the size that we felt like we would be comfortable with our production and other people's production, um, we just decided to move forward with a whole new, whole new place. So, yeah, it's very cool. We're very excited about it. We're going to more than double our space that we have now um, for the factory. And, you know, we're just really building it out to be kind of our home. You know, we're putting in a great huge lounge, a bar, um, you know, just want it to be a, a cool place that people feel like they want to come to and hang out and, you know, see what we're all about. Right. We're actually the first factory as you come in from Managua. So we're right there on the Pan American. Um, probably about five minutes from what we, you consider like downtown SLT. No, no, exactly. <laughs> um, so there's some audio issues. I'm not sure exactly what's going on. Um, it seems like from the reports that we're getting and from me trying to watch while you guys are talking, I think we're not getting any audio from you, John. And the audio from me and James is like really choppy. Maybe we should see if we can figure that out. Yeah, mine is like, uh, I was just listening to myself talk while I was talking. It wasn't messing me up because it was so, like, garbled and choppy. All right, let me pull it up on. No? Still no audio for you, John. Still nothing. I'm waiting for the Facebook. All right, so uh, I wanted to ask about the uh, the capacity of the new factory. So kind of the last time we were, I was at your factory, uh, it wasn't quite at capacity. You still had a couple, a little room for rolling tables. What's right. your current capacity and what's your expected new capacity? As so far our as current capacity is we're doing on average about 28 to 30,000 sticks a month right now. Mm -hmm. What we need to be at to better service our customers and, and keep building our business is probably almost double that. So wow. that's really where we're headed for the, for the new factory. So right now we're, we're at, um, seven, eight teams, depending on the time of the year. And we'll be, you know, going up to about 14. So, um, the thing is, is that, you know, like you saw at our factory, yes, we had space for more, more tables, mm -hmm. but once you add more rollers and add more teams, then it's kind of a domino effect. Right. So then you're passing, yeah, you have to add more of everything. Your tobacco storage needs to be bigger. So that was kind of the issue that we faced is we really couldn't expand to where we needed to be in this space. You know, and, um, you know, with the new factory, we have more space and, you know, we, we're kind of, I'm very much inspired by where I work. And so we're treating this as, as kind of a, you know, like we say all the time, like we treat the factory like a studio. It's a very creative workspace. So we're definitely putting a lot of creativity into what we're doing over there. No, no, we'll be getting rid of the one that we're in now. No, exactly. Yeah, it'll, it, it's definitely a space that we'll be able to grow into as we need to. Doing all right for uh, audio? Uh, it sounds like it. Uh, we haven't got any, any comments about the audio yet. Um, so I think we're good. Uh, I did get a 
just lit a uh, Boondock Saint, and he's loving it. Awesome. He just wanted to say you did a great job. Always nice to hear. Oh, yeah. I I don't remember the score off the top of my head. 96, I think. It might have been a, might have been a 97, even. I think it was a 97. Yeah. I mean, for, for me, that that was like the perfect experience of a cigar, almost. Uh, I couldn't. I couldn't really find anything specifically negative about it, um, but I have a hard time going above 97. <laughs> yeah, I agree. And uh, actually, we just got a bunch of comments. And the audio for, for me and James is still choppy while we're on the screen that has all three of us. If we're on just me or just James, it's fine. And there's still no audio for you, John, at all. Oh, so we are still capturing it for YouTube, we think? Okay, good. Um, so... Speaking of the Boondock Saint, this is the burning question that I have is uh, the Boondock Saint is not going to be like one of your first limited editions that never comes back. Right. I, I can expect to see more of these next year. Yeah. I mean, we awesome. We you know, we just don't do any one and dones. I mean, if we're going to put out a cigar, we put it out because we're really in love with the product. And, you know, that's why we we do annuals with all of our LE stuff. So, no, Boondock is slated to come back. Um Probably right before summer next year. So, okay, it's, perfect. It's definitely already on the schedule. Uh, yeah, I, I find that a really refreshing strategy compared to almost everyone out there who does one and done releases. Uh, you know, sometimes once a year, sometimes a little more often. It's nice that with Black Label, if you smoke something that's limited that you really, really like, there's, you know, that you're going to be able to like, you know, buy three boxes next year so that you can, uh, you know, stock up because you right. know you like it that much. It's not something you're going to have to go hunting for and you're maybe never going to smoke again. Right. Yeah, I mean, it's a, it's a system that works really good for us. And, you know, what we find, which is nice, is that, you know, especially with Black Label, not only do we have the Coraline stuff, but we have the, the LEs. And so, you know, it works really well for our retailers. The, the LEs usually come in and go out very quickly. You know, and so once the LEs are gone, people tend to, to turn to the core line stuff, you know, and then the next LE comes out. So it works really well. Um, you know, for better or for worse, consumers are still very much in that mindset of always wanting something new. And, you know, although these cigars are not new since they come out every year, but it still gives somebody something interesting and something to look forward to, you know, with our products. So uh, we've just found that it works really, really good in that system. Yeah, I mean, as we saw with the second release of the uh, Bishop's Blend, it's it's not that kind of effect where people are burned out on it. People were real hungry for that when the second release came out, and I'm you know yeah. I'm sure that's going to continue going forward because it's just gaining more and more hype as more and more people try it. Right. Yeah, you know the cigars are always different too. I mean, you know, tobacco is always changing. You know, we're always working with different crops and. Mm -hmm. You know, so you're always going to get those kind of unique fluctuations that keep every, you know, vintage or whatever you want to call it that comes out is you're going to find some nuances and differences there that, you know, really pique your interest to smoke, you know, this year versus that year. Yeah, I'm I'm looking forward to trying some of the, like the, uh, the like the Boondock Saints going forward uh, side by side and see how they stack up against each other. Yeah, for sure. 
brought to you by Gurkha Cigars. Gurkha Cigars, makers of the world's finest cigars. Try the 93-rated Heritage featuring Rosado, Ecuador, Nevada wrapper, Nicaraguan binder, and Dominican, Pennsylvania, and Nicaraguan fillers. Blended by Gurkha's blending team at American Caribbean Cigars, it's hand-rolled Nicaraguan available in 35-count boxes. Talk to your local B&M about the Heritage today, or talk to them about other fine Gurkha cigars. Whatever your taste preference is, Gurkha has a cigar that's right for you. production these days right yeah no we i think it's about two years ago that we just opened everything up on the on the core line stuff you know because really before we started our own factory we were very limited um in terms of what we could produce and how much and and so once we got our own factory up and running and everything going smooth and you know purchasing our own tobacco and all those things we uh were able to fulfill whatever we needed to awesome uh, we we got another, not a question, just a comment from Harley Holmes. Uh, he just wanted to say that Black Label has the best sampler in the business. Right? That, that line sampler that, I mean, those seem to be getting more and more rare these days because people have just, their lines are just expanding and expanding. Uh, so it's nice that you guys sell a sampler that's just all the core lines. You can just try everything and, you know, find your wheelhouse within that core line. Yeah, I think it's great. You know, it's like, um, you know, we find people that, that love all the core line sticks. Some of them only, you know, a few hit their palate or their wheelhouse or whatever, but you know, it's, it's, it's interesting to see, you know, I've, I've seen a lot of people that will smoke a lot of our LEs like the Bishop and heavier stuff and last rights and never try to royalty, you know, and we'll be in an event or something and convince them to light one up. And, you know, they're just surprised that, you know, it's, it is still a pretty stout smoke for, mm-hmm. you know, for being the lighter side of what we do. It's definitely not a light cigar by any means. So it's nice to get people to try through everything. And I think a lot of them are surprised with what they find with the other blends. Yeah, definitely. No, we're definitely open to bringing on other, other brands, you know, uh, for us, we, we essentially have two businesses. You know, we have the factory in Nicaragua, and then we have our brands that exist in the States. And so we definitely want the factory to build up and be its own standalone thing. Um, and, you know, our, our kind of our philosophy behind it and our idea behind it was, you know, we went through a lot of hassle and trouble trying to get our business up and going, working with, you know, mm-hmm. another factory here in Nicaragua. And, you know, unfortunately, a lot of people have those same stories of, you know, problems and issues and things like that. So we wanted our factory to very much be a place where small companies, small brands could come, you know, and make uh, a great product and, you know, not have to deal with a lot of the issues that we personally went through, you know, when we were first starting up our business. Yeah, definitely. For sure. I mean, that's the great thing is that we can, you know, tweak it and build it exactly how we want it and to, you know, to meet all of our needs. We're not having to try to, you know, fix things that already exist. So it'll be nice to, uh, to have that. No more carrying cigars up and down stairs and stuff like exactly. that. Exactly. Yeah. The stairs will be, I'll be happy to be done with the, uh, spiral staircase for sure. Mm-hmm. Well, kind of a combination of all those things. So what we're doing is, 
I like the idea. I, I mean, I think that, you know, especially for people coming in to visit the factory, I definitely think your aging room is like your showpiece. You know what I mean? So I look at it as almost like an awesome, you know, wine cellar. So that's kind of the, the look we're going for and the feel we're going for. So what we're doing in the new space is the aging room is, is kind of front and center right in the middle of the building. And so we're doing a big glass front on it, um, keeping with the, the wooden uh, cedar drawers that we use now in our aging room. So it's going to have that, a very similar feel to the one we have now. It's just going to be about three times larger. Sounds fantastic. Uh, we've got an audience question here from Harley Holmes, uh, and he says it's an over-asked question, but we, I mean, we kind of ask it on every show in one way or another, but what's your favorite beverage to pair with a cigar, with one of your cigars? Maybe even specifically, which cigar is your favorite to pair with a specific beverage? Um, I'll speak to the Boondog, just because I've been smoking a lot of that lately. Um, I like to pair with a couple of things. I like if I'm going to drink a beer, I like to do, uh, like a Porter. Um, I like that, that kind of round sweetness to the finish on it. And then if I'm going to go with spirits, uh, one thing that I always look for in a spirit that I'm going to pair with a cigar once again, is that I like a little bit of sweetness there on the finish. I don't like anything too dry that kind of dries out your palate. Um, I think that affects the flavor of the cigar as well. So Mm -hmm. What I've been drinking a lot of lately um, is the uh, the Slaughterhouse uh, bourbon, and I really like the it's it's actually finished in a wine cask, and so it gets a nice kind of rich sweetness to it on the finish. I always like rums as well, kind of a whole range of different rums once again because yeah. they they have that profile to them. Um, so yeah, I don't know. I'm kind of all over the place when it comes to it. I mean, I, I don't know that I specifically pair one thing with one cigar, but if I'm going to smoke something, depending on the style of that cigar, I'll definitely pick, you know, one of those things. Okay. Um, I had another question and I lost it. Uh, okay. You know, honestly, th that's tough because, I mean, you guys have been here and you know <laughs> that the, the availability of product here is extremely limited. So you know, we might be relying on some people like you to, you know, help out with that bar project when they come <laughs> down. You know, we'll definitely have a wish list for people anytime they're coming to Nicaragua to kind of fill that up. But um, I, I, I hope to have a, a good wide range, you know, and they're actually making some more interesting beers here in Nicaragua. So, um, you know, there's a company now that's doing a, a really nice stout and a few other things. So, at least the beer selection is getting a little bit better. Obviously, Florida Cana is, is very prevalent, so we'll be running the gamut on that. Um, and then just kind of whatever we just bring back with us. Nice. Uh, we've, we've got a bunch of shout-outs here from you, or for you. Uh, April Garza says just says, hi, James. She just wants to say hey. Hey. Uh, <laughs> Justin Strom says that you are the best cigar maker in the world. That's, that's some high praise. Appreciate it. And Steven, Steven Sidner says <laughs> that you're his hero. Keep up the awesome work. Nice. Uh, so uh, I, I believe in the press release, you said the new factory is slated to open uh, in January, right? October. October? Okay. Of this year yeah. or next year? This year. Yeah. So we're literally like, yeah, I mean, we're just crazy slamming busy here, you know, construction going every day. So yeah, we, uh, I think we'll be ready to open. Uh, probably the first week of October, 
awesome. That's a that's a very quick turnaround. Yeah, we don't see construction like that here. <laughs> what were you gonna say, John? Yeah, water is definitely a major issue here. I mean, for a couple of reasons. Number one is, you know, it's like the electricity. Um, you know, for whatever reasons, water shortages happen in SLE all the time. I mean, mm -hmm. it's. I mean, we can literally go a few days a week um, where the water is shut off. So, you know, one aspect is you. You know, you got to have like a big poly tank water reserves um, or else, you know, you're not working. So that's one thing. And so with the new place, we just kind of wanted to avoid that. Also, the water here is very heavy in chlorine content. I mean, literally, when you turn on a faucet, I mean, you can just smell it. Mm -hmm. um, and so, you know, that's that's obviously not great uh, for tobacco. Um, and so instead of, you know, putting in some uh, filtration system and all these other things. We just wanted to, you know, simplify that and, and do our own water. So we decided to, to put in a well on the property. We have plenty of space for it. So we're putting in a well, which, you know, will kind of eliminate both of those issues for us, which will be very nice. Uh, Derek Matthews wants to know if you were smoking an NBK. He's, he's very eagle-eyed. Jo uh, John. Uh, that's the first time you've had that cigar? No. James, James actually gave us to them, gave them to us when we were in the factory, and you smoked it then. They were unbanded, though. I mean, yeah, and, and when you're smoking 12 cigars a day, it's easy to forget one. Uh, let's, you, you mentioned the Rorschach, John. Let's talk about the Rorschach a little bit, because that's a really interesting kind of project. Um, and they're kind of made, correct me if I'm wrong, they're, they're kind of made for the way John was smoking it, right? More just like a palate pleaser. They're not made to be super complex. Yeah, I mean, it, it, the weird thing with the Rorschach is it depends. They're all different. So what we do is, you know, they're they're made from all the off-cut tobacco from the Blackworks production. So from Killer Bee, Green Hornet, MBK. Um, and so each one is unique and different. So sometimes you get one that's a real powerhouse. Sometimes you get one that's a little softer. So uh, each one of the cigars uh, tends to have a different profile to it. I think that's a really interesting take on it because there are there are a lot of other companies that are doing kind of the same thing, but they're trying to make a consistent cigar out of that right. out of those offcuts. And you're just kind of embracing the fact that you can't make a consistent cigar out of those offcuts. It no, takes I mean, a it, lot it, of yeah. effort. Yeah, it is what it is. You know, I mean, and and that's where the name came from. You know, it's like the ink blot test. Like everybody sees something different in it, so it's the same with the cigars. You know, each one is unique and different, and you know, it's. Uh, it, Interesting for me, smoking them a lot, and depending on the cigars that we're making at the time, you know, I can kind of tell, like, okay, this batch of Rorschachs is going to be, like, legit, you know. We've been making Green Hornets, and we've been making, you know, Killer Bees, and so these are going to be really rich and intense, um, you know, and we also throw in all the off-cut tobacco from the Blackworks LEs, like the Sindustry and uh, the Boondock, and so depending on which batch it is, you never know, you know. Some of them are going to have some Pennsylvania in there. Some are going to have some San Andres. So it's always different. And uh, I'll do another one of your cigars. The, I want to talk about the uh, Neon Tiger a little bit. So we, we smoked that and we loved it. So you're doing some of the most interesting stuff with Candela because you started off just kind of using it as an accent flavor. Uh, and that's like the first cigar that's really a Candela wrapper for you, right? Um, it is for ourselves. We did the GB19 for Fred and no oh, sure. Um, so that was the first like production Candela we had done. And up until that point, we hadn't 
you know, I hadn't even really played with Candela all that much. Um, I had just smoked a lot of it and knew that I didn't really like it. And when I say that, I don't mean the Candela. I mean, I don't like the cigars that people use Candela wrapper yeah. on. Um, so, you know, that was kind of our first experiment with it. And it was with the mindset that, you know, I don't want to make this cigar for the wrapper. You know, it all needs to work in conjunction. And I think we, you know, Fred and I definitely accomplished that. I think that the, the blend was big and bold and didn't really smoke like a traditional Candela. And then with the Neon Tiger, you know, I just kind of coming from that, I wanted to do, you know, kind of our Black Works version of a Candela and, you know, spend some time trying to figure out what I thought that would be. And, you know, really wanted to highlight the the ability of our factory to make an extremely complicated, you know, uh, artisanal cigar. And I think the Neon Tiger is definitely that. I mean, the, the amount of effort that goes into uh, doing those wrappers is, is pretty immense. Yeah. Um, and actually, that was my next question. Is there like one of those little artistic touches that you haven't been able to find a way to do that you want to do? Um, yeah, probably so, for sure. <laughs> I mean, even with the Neon Tiger, you know, it's like, I was very adamant exactly how I wanted the wrapper to look. You know, I wanted it to have the very nice fine lines. I wanted to do, you know, the linear cap on it as well. And, and you know, that's everybody says, like, why don't you put it out? Why don't you put it out? And but the reality is, is that, you know, it's just it's one of those things that is just not realistic for a production cigar. I mean, it's just the time that goes into it is just it's ridiculous. And so there's definitely things out there that I would love to do for, you know, ideas that we've had for production cigars. And it just, you know, at, at, the, at the end of the day, it doesn't make sense. So we kind of uh, have to tailor things and tone them down sometimes, you know, and, mm -hmm. you know, and a result of that is something like the Green Hornet, you know, where, you know, that's the type of artisanal cigar that we can do and do in significant numbers to get it out there, you know, as a production stick. Yeah. Yeah, it's tough. I mean, I don't know. I think I, I would say in general, I'm definitely a, a Nicaraguan tobacco fan. I mean, we do do some stuff with some Dominican tobaccos. Um, we, we use some U.S. tobaccos. But at the end of the day, I mean, my heart and soul is here in SLE. And SLE tobacco, you know, when you get real estelle tobacco i mean it's just something that's special that you can't find anywhere else in the world so that's definitely you know my number one up there um in terms of tobaccos that i, I think are are interesting to work with um you know it's really the broadleafs i love broadleafs um connecticut pennsylvania you know when the bishop kind of started out as an idea it started with the idea of using a, a Connecticut broadleaf wrapper on it. And what I find is I kind of describe broadleaf wrapper as like the bacon of the cigar world, right? Like <laughs> it has such a big flavor profile to it. I mean, it really doesn't matter what you wrap up in that wrapper because the broadleaf is going to carry it through, right? Everybody's going to yeah. like it because that profile is just so good. And so, uh, you know, like with the Bishop, we started out with a broadleaf wrapper kind of overpowered things, kind of took it in a direction that we didn't want to go with it. And so 
you know, playing with those broadleafs as filler tobaccos, I think, was a, a really interesting, really difficult project. I mean, the Bishop took almost two years for us to get it to the point where we were, you know, happy with the proportions and everything kind of worked in the way that we wanted it to. Um, so that was definitely a challenge. Um, in terms of tobaccos that I'd want to work with, I mean, there's plenty out there. I mean, I'm always interested in something new. We've been playing around with some different Dominican tobaccos recently for some upcoming projects that I've been really happy with. Um, you know, we've worked with a lot of Piloto Cubano in the past and some of these newer ones that we're working with, these Lajeros are just really intense, really gritty, really rich and earthy. And so I'm really enjoying those right now. We've never done anything with Peruvian tobacco. Um, I've always been interested in trying to do something with that as well. So there's definitely some stuff out there that, you know, we haven't, haven't gotten to yet, but, um, you know, with a lot of the new, uh, clients and new stuff that we're doing for factory exclusive, we're definitely going to be experimenting a lot in the future. John, did we miss a station break there? That's fine. Uh, well, apparently the audio for the, uh, commercials is, is stoic, as you would say. This show is sponsored by Cigar Oasis. Don't spend all your time worrying about your cigar wrappers cracking, splitting, or falling apart from humidity fluctuation issues. Set it and forget it by choosing Cigar Oasis, a professional solution which provides equal distribution of humidity with precise electronic controls. Monitor your cigars through the internet using the smart humidor Wi-Fi attachment. Why don't you spend all your time enjoying your cigars and relaxing and let Cigar Oasis protect your cigars. Cigar Oasis has solutions for any humidor. Make sure you set it and forget it today. All right, we've got an audience question from, uh, I've been trying to say his name for like three weeks, Ruben Goglin. Is that how you said it, John? Okay, I'll, I'll go with Goglin. Uh, he wants to know, I mean, this is a question you definitely answered on the show, but so that people don't have to go back and watch the previous episode, uh, tell us how you got into the cigar business. Uh, I know you had a, a business venture previously. Um, yeah. So I mean, can you talk about your previous business and then how how you transitioned to cigars? Yeah, kind of the the short long story is, uh, you know, I'd, I've been a cigar smoker since I was about seventeen, eighteen. Um, was you in the wine 18. industry for always eighteen. Yeah, eighteen. Yeah, <laughs> twenty one um, in some states. I was in the wine industry before, and I worked at a, uh, I was a sommelier at a restaurant called Anthony's in the Catalinas in Tucson, and the owner of that restaurant actually owned a chain of cigar stores, and that kind of really took my, you know, cigar smoking to the next level. Like, at that point in my life, I really, really got into it. Um, so I'd always been a smoker, and then Angela and I, my wife, lived in Guatemala, and we owned an adventure travel company. Um this is way further down the road. And then, so with being able to spend time in Nicaragua, travel through Nicaragua, um, we always included, you know, cigar factory tours and things like that on our trips. And so I got to know people here in SLE. Um, in my downtime, I befriended a guy named Armando Leva and you know, would hang out with him and try to learn everything I could about tobacco, about making cigars, blending cigars. Um, and that kind of grew into us making cigars for our clients that would come on our on our trips for our travel company. And then at the you know at the end of the trips, everybody was wanting to know you know how can I buy these cigars? Everybody fell in love with them, and so that kind of sparked the idea. And from there, we just kind of thought you know maybe we could do this, maybe it'll be something. Uh, we kind of considered it to be just a small side project, you know. 
that would just be kind of interesting and fun to do. And then, uh, you know, over time, once we launched Black Label and, you know, slowly but surely things started to take off and, you know, build and build and build and got to the point where we sold our travel company and we're doing cigars full time. Um, but I think one of the unique things about us as a company is no one involved in Black Label had any experience at all in the cigar industry. I've never worked in a cigar store. I've never been a rep. I've never, I didn't know anyone in the industry, not one person. I had never been, you know, to any function to meet people. So it was, it was kind of interesting. And I think a good thing for us to come at it with, you know, no uh, ideas of how it should be or, you know, uh, things like that. So it was, uh, I don't know. I kind of describe it as almost like a here, hold my beer type moment. Like, <laughs> you know, we can do this. And so, but as a consumer, you know, I had an idea of the type of cigars that I wanted to smoke and felt like there was a lack of those in the market. I felt like there was a significant lack in marketing that appealed to me personally. And so that was all applied to black label when we decided to move forward with it. Awesome. And, uh, and Ruben did, did comment it's good blood so i'm going to remember that next time he asks a question that's the same yeah all right john do you have another question for the regular black stuff it's easy i mean hands down it's last rights and the reason being is that last rights is the first cigar that i blended on my own and it's the first cigar that i blended to kind of be exactly what i wanted out of a cigar so it's always had a special place with me and it's always been, you know, my go-to uh, cigar. Even now, you know, almost six years later, I still have to smoke Last Rites at least a few times a week. So it's just one of those cigars that for me, it, for my palate personally, it just checks all the boxes. Yeah. Um, with the Blackwork stuff, you know, I think um, it's hard to say. I, I would say the MBK, and the reason being is that the MBK kind of spurred the launch of Blackworks. So MBK started out kind of like the Neon Tiger, like it was my personal smoke around the factory cigar. Um, and when we started the factory, you know, obviously it was great to be able to start to develop all these blends and to develop all these cigars. And what we found was that, you know, a lot of these, you know, and these all started with the MBK, but a lot of these just didn't fit into the same mode or model as Black Label. Um, and so having the MBK and really wanting to get it out in the marketplace um, is what kind of started the idea behind Blackworks and getting that all going. So the MBK is definitely a special cigar to me. Yeah, I mean, I definitely think that, you know, obviously things could go a couple different ways, but I do, I do believe that either way that they go, you know, we're not going anywhere. I mean, this is, we're vested in this. This is what we do. Uh, you know, we own two brands in the States. We own a factory in Nicaragua. I mean, it's, you know, we have no intentions of, of, of disappearing. So yeah, I mean, whatever worst case scenario may be, you know, we're moving forward. And, you know, even with the looming FDA, I mean, the thing with the, with our business is, you know, we're just having significant growth. I mean, and which is great. I mean, it's almost to the point where, you know, we had to make this decision about the new factory because we need to accommodate, you know, the, the growth of our business and the growth of our customer base. So, um, you know, the last two years for us have just been phenomenal years and we're, you know, very 
you know, surprised and happy. And, you know, we love the loyalty of our customers and the support that they give us, our retailers. And so that's just been on a very steady growth pattern um, with this year being even significantly better than last year. And so for us, it's just the natural progression of things. And, you know, we're not going to, we're not going to stop doing what we do just because it might get a little harder down the road. So uh, we're definitely on that path to keep moving forward and, you know, keep putting our stuff out there. No, there's definitely a plateau and that plateau exists because, you know, when you're dealing with making, you know, what we consider a premium product, there's definitely a plateau in terms of the quality of tobacco that you can get and the quantities of that tobacco you can get to maintain that consistent product. So what happens is, is, you know, any factory, whoever you are, you know, if you start small and you start to grow, you're going to reach that point where you have to make the decision of, do I sacrifice quality of my product to increase my production? Or do we say, this is where we're at, you know? And so for us, you know, we'll, we're happy to reach that plateau, but anything beyond that, we're not willing to do. I mean, cause we're not willing to, to sacrifice the quality of our product, you know? Even, you know, Blackworks is a great example of that. Even though Blackworks has really exploded over the last year and a half, we still only make 100 box or 100 box batches. I mean, that's just how we do. And we're true to the product and true to the way that we make it. Because at the end of the day, the reason that people love it and the reason that it's started to explode is because of the attention to detail and the quality of the tobacco that we that we use. So um, we'll definitely get to that point, um, where we'll kind of have to say, you know what, this is it. This is our max. This is where we're at. Um, you know, but, uh, we're not there yet, but we're definitely, you know, trying to get there. But at that point, you know, it will be one of those things where, you know, that's it. That's, that's the retailers that we have and that's, that's where we're staying. Show brought to you by Drew Estate. Until June 30th, if you're a Drew Diplomat member, you attend a rewards program event and make a promotional purchase, you will receive a Liga Privada Velvet Rat. You'll also be entered to win a Drew Diplomat Pewter Ashtray, Mega Standing Ashtray, or the Swag Closet Humanor, dubbed the Divorcinator. All these products were built and designed by Drew Estate Subculture Studios. If you're not a member, download the Drew Diplomat app from the Apple Store or Google Play Store today. We have a question from uh, Stefan Sidner here. What does NBK mean? Natural born killer. Um, and so that brings me to a question that I've been wondering about. All of the Blackbird Studios releases have kind of a fairly obvious inspiration behind the name. Uh, but where does industry come from? That one, that one I'm just not sure about. You know, it's kind of like, uh, I guess it came from you know, the whole, there was a lot of talk in the industry about, you know, the, the FDA and all of these things are coming and the regulations and all that stuff. So, you know, it was kind of a, you know, just a play on, you know, the, the cigar industry and how everybody, you know, thinks that it's evil and bad and all that stuff. So this industry just kind of came out of that, I guess, but, um, that's kind of where our minds were at that time. So, yeah, it makes sense. I really don't care to be honest. Like, it's like you gotta fly from Nicaragua either way, right? I mean, my thing is, is I'm a, every year after the IPCPR, I say to myself, I'm never doing this again. So <laughs> it's like, 
honestly, I don't, I don't care where it is. I don't care, you know, what venue or what city, whatever. It doesn't really matter to me. I mean, my thing is, is that I just wish that there was something going on that would bring more retailers to the table. Um, you know, it's, I don't know, the whole thing with the show, a lot of it, a lot of the politics behind it, a lot of the, you know, the fees and everything else just doesn't really sit well with me. So, mm-hmm. um, <laughs> I don't know. It's, it's kind of a sore subject, I guess, but, Fair enough. uh, I don't know. I, like I said, uh, up until probably two weeks ago, I was like, no way I'm not going this year. I don't care. Forget it. So we'll see what happens. Um, we've got a couple of comments. Jason Sofka says his favorite cigars are Cuban cigars and anything PLPC, not necessarily in that order. They're polar opposites, but those are those are his two kind of favorite wheelhouses. Yeah, that's definitely interesting. I mean, I was, like, like you said, I mean, that's about as opposite as you could get. So that's pretty cool. Oh, Harley Holmes has a, another question as well. Uh, do you have any international presence, or, or is that something you're still working on, or something you don't plan to focus on too much? No, I mean, it's definitely something we've looked at, something we've talked about, something we've explored. Um, you know, we were in Australia for a while, which was just kind of like irrelevant. Um, just, you know, obviously, because in terms of price point and things like that, mm-hmm. and lack of lack of retailers. Um, we didn't put a lot of focus there. We just had someone that was interested in, in representing our product there. So, um, you know, we've we've talked a lot about Europe uh, specifically, a lot about being at Inner Tobacco and all that. Um, the issue that we face is right now, you know, we have a hard enough time producing enough product for the U.S. So, I mean, you know, really, I mean, we're we're just fighting not to be backordered, you know, on our stuff right now. So. The idea of, of growing into Europe will be something, or any other market, will be something that will be a little bit more long-term for us. Um, you know, as we look at what our production can be, being able to, you know, fully maintain the, the accounts that we have already in the States and then see if there is any space for, for growing out of that. Sure. That, that makes sense. Uh, yeah, when, you're, when, you, when you've got back orders, there's really no reason to seek out new markets. Uh, and just get further back order. Right. Um, yeah, we've got, we got a few coming up in October. So we'll be at the uh, the Stogie's Wingding in Houston. So that'll be our first year there. So that should be a lot of fun. Um, after that, I'm going to be doing several events up in the East Coast. Um, try to hit that area just one more time before winter sets in. Um, and then, you know, it kind of slows down a bit for us in terms of events until, you know, springtime. And then we'll definitely be hitting the road again then. Yeah, actually, we, we have our first group coming in February. So, um, oh, wow. you know, we have our we have our own uh, Black Label Facebook group. You know, if you're not a member, send us a request and, and get on there because we, we feature a lot of stuff on there, you know, some interesting things. But, yeah, we had a – we get a lot of requests of people that want to come to Nicaragua and want to – see the factory and they don't necessarily want to be on, you know, some other type of tour or whatever. And so we started to put some things together and kind of, uh, got a good core group of about 10 people. Um, and yeah, so they'll be coming down in February doing a, an almost week long tour with us at the factory and CNS Delhi and all of that. So we're really excited about it. That sounds really cool. Yeah, I think it's great. I mean, for me, the best thing that can, that can happen with a consumer 
is to really come to Nicaragua and see this side of it. You know, I think that if you are a cigar enthusiast, I mean, to be able to see the plants, the fields, the drying houses, the processing, I mean, to, it really opens people's eyes to, you know, everything that goes into that cigar. Um, and I think it's always a really eye-opening experience for people. And, you know, most of the people that I know that are consumers that have come down to Nicaragua, I mean, it just kind of changes their whole view and philosophy about things. Yeah, it really kind of, uh, I know the first time I went to Nicaragua, it just kind of changes the way you think about cigars permanently. Um, you're no longer just buying something at the store and lighting it on fire. Uh, you kind of think about all of the work that, all of the people that worked to make that cigar so good, because you don't realize how many points of failure there are. There's like a hundred points of failure between putting that seed in the dirt and putting it in the box at the end. Uh, or or even just getting it to the retailer's shelf, I guess. Right. right. Uh, and there's so many people involved with it, and every single person has to be doing their job just right. Uh, or you can end up with a plug cigar. You can get bad tobacco. You can end up with bad fermentation. And uh, it's it's just something you don't think about until you've seen it. Right. No, for sure. And I mean, you know, one thing that people are always amazed with is, you know. I mean, you're dealing with tobacco that's years and years old, you know, so it's mm -hmm. like, you know, from the time that plant goes into the ground to the time that it's in a cigar on a retailer's shelf, I mean, you're just, that's years worth of dealing with that product, you know, and uh, it's things like that, that I, a lot of people don't realize and, you know, kind of take for granted. And, you know, when they're looking at a cigar saying, you know, I, why does this cost $12 or whatever it is? You know, the, the cool thing is, is that most people that leave Nicaragua are like, I can't believe that cigar only costs $12. Yeah, exactly. You know? The amount of work that goes into it is unbelievable. Yeah. Um, I think it's good. I mean, I think, you know, once again, it's you're taking a lot of people that, that don't necessarily have the exposure to Nicaragua or Esteli or, you know, cigar making in general. And I think that, yeah, I mean, it, it's great that it shows them what it's all about. Um, you know, I think... You know, with most of the companies involved in Puro Sabor, we are on a very different aspect of, of what they do. Um, and so I think it's good for people to see both sides. You know, I mean, it's it, I think it's good for people to go into a big factory and, you know, see what that's all about. And then they, you know, see a factory like ours and, you know, they can see that there's a definite significant difference there. Um, well, there's a comment from Jason Sabka that he thinks that Black Label needs to package some of their cigars better. Um, I think he's saying that the issue is more with Canada Post destroying them. Um, en route. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah I, I would agree. Yeah, uh, probably, he, he also yeah. wants you to go to the Rocky Mountain Smokeout. <laughs> Sounds good. Yeah, definitely, uh, you know, Facebook page, blacklabeltrading.com, uh, website, uh, Blackwork Studios also has Facebook, um, Instagram, uh blackworks is at blk underscore wks black label is at black label trading co um and yeah definitely check it out we are always posting new stuff and interesting information on there um and like i said we also have a uh, facebook group for the for blackworks and black label trading company as well yeah uh thanks for joining us james we really appreciate it listeners uh, tell us a little bit more about yourself thanks everybody for watching or listening to uh,
Yeah, 